Hello, hello, and a third hello. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Towel. Today we continue on with Downfall, an RPG written by Carolyn Hobbs from Less Than Three Games, the home of games such as Eden, One Missed Call, No Boundaries, and Epitaph. Little known fact, we actually backed Epitaph when it came out on Kickstarter because, well, I kind of fell in love with the game and it's awesome and I, yeah, anyways. So as you must know, Monday was International Women's Day. And as part of Women's Day, a large portion of the TTRPG community rose up to showcase all the amazing work done by women in the TTRPG and gaming communities. And that's honestly amazing. That's, that's brilliant. That's so much more than where we were at 10 years ago or so. However, despite this, there's still a lot of work to be done when it comes to inclusivity in the TTRPG community. DFYT itself would not be the thing that it is now without the amazing support and help and talent and leadership of the women in our core team, Erin, Isabel and Michaela. Going into the future, we're going to do our very best to keep bringing inclusivity into our work. We've got a fair way to go at the moment, but that will not stop us. After all, we do plan on playing every RPG in existence. Woohoo! We hope that you all share these goals with us as well because together we can achieve greatness. Anyways, with that, let's get on to the episode. In the city of dreams, where the dust holds the truth, in visions of purple and blue, perfection is key in Now that we've created our pillar, our hero, and our fallen, we begin the destruction of our world. <laughs> this is done by playing scenes and narrating our story with the hero being in the spotlight. We each take turns playing the hero, the pillar, and the fallen. Each round, the pillar determines how our flaw, perfectionism, corrupts Salice, and the hero and the fallen next frame scenes to show how the hero reacts to the corruption and the consequences of the hero's reaction. Cool. So, who wants to let's 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 start with this question. Who wants to be the hero first? I can be the hero first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, the person on my left plays the fallen first, and the person on my right plays the pillar first. The first step is for the pillar to describe how one of our traditions becomes corrupted. Pillar, over to you. Okay. Well, I think freedom of speech and expression um, in art particularly has become compromised because of this idea of perfection. So different groups are kind of competing to be the, the dominant style. And in particular, the temple promotes landscape art directly inspired by the sky gallery as the one true form of art so as a result lots of artists are kind of just creating landscape art and only using colors like white blue and purple oh my gosh so are you saying like only landscape art with like those tones and from that area is considered perfect yeah basically at least that's that's well, the at least there's a push towards that right like because the temple has so much power, that's the main type of art that you see getting like purchased and promoted in everyday life. I wonder if that means that there's a shortage of um, materials in those colors. Oh, yeah. So that means that only the, the elite artists or those who can, who can afford it or who are sponsored by the temple can actually gain access to those materials. Mm. That is, that is, oh, that's a good one, I think. <laughs> so 
the next step is for the hero to frame us a scene. So the scene may be a reaction to the corruption that the pillar described or something unrelated that kind of just, you know, is in the hero's life, mm. I suppose. Okay. Maybe there's like a day of, um, there's like a festival day or something like that where the art that's normally displayed in the temple is displayed on the street and there's like food stalls and there's like music and stuff like that and maybe some of the dreamers are there as well so the hero has gone there with his friend the pillar to have a look around there's a bunch of other people there like I said there's dreamers there so you might want to jump in as a dreamer or, I mean, potentially we could run into the fallen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I want to use, um, so because there's a lot of dreamers at the festival, I want to use the opportunity while there's less people around to sneak into the temple and see if I can find out any more information about the secrets that I believe they're keeping. Let's begin. So you and I are, let's say you and I are walking towards the festival. Mm-hmm. Ah, my good friend, Cyrus. Oh, hey, Calic. Well, well, what, what do you think of, the, of this, this festival? Well, you know me, I'm, I'm not one much for revelry, but it uh, seems like a pleasant enough day for festivities. Yes, true. The, the weather's always the same in this city. That it is. What brings you here today? Come to look at the uh, art? Well, to be honest, the art doesn't interest me that much. It's all pretty much the same. Um, mm. But I did hear there's a market that... There's a stall at the market that has the best croissants. Ah, I see. You've come to satiate your appetite. Yes, yes, I do have a craving. But yes, so many, so many purples, so many blues. Honestly, I wonder how they can afford these colours in their paintings. I always have to use oh. green. Oh dear. I guess the, uh, the art world has turned a tad land in the city. Yes, yes, so you agree with me. Not much fun for you, I guess, with all the landscapes around. Yeah, and well, it's quite dif- difficult to draw portraits when I only have green to work with. You only have green? Yeah, only green. Calic, we, we need to get you some other colours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even just black would do, you know, just just the basic, basic colour. Yeah, I mean, so all your portraits, all the people have just been completely green. Yep, all green different shades of green sometimes a bit of yellow in there well uh, no wonder it's been hard to sell I guess so actually you may have a point maybe it's not my art that's bad it's just the colours yeah I mean what's with this materials distribution in the the city why can you only get green well there's this shop that I go to and Apparently I'm not a good enough artist to buy the purples and the blues, but also I can't afford it. So they're just kind of like... Not a good enough artist? Yeah, according to the temple standards at least. Right, right, right. And how are you supposed to become a good enough artist if you don't have the right materials? Well, I don't know. I guess that's why I'm still not earning a lot of money but yeah I don't know Calic I just and you know I've been I've been thinking about the temple recently and I just I don't know what about the temple I mean there's many things about the temple well, well yes I just mean I just wonder if you know the dreamers don't have too much say in the lives of the ordinary folk. Oh, well, we are quite a prosperous society and whatever they're doing seems to be working for us. 
Well, I suppose. I can't argue with that. I think you're looking too much into it. You know, sometimes you just need to sit back and enjoy life and just accept things the way they are. Right. Yeah. Accept your uh, green portraits the way they are. Yes, exactly. Wow. <clears throat> Good luck with that. Uh, listen, I, I, I was going to accompany you to the uh, croissant store, but um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to just uh, take a closer look uh, over this way, and I gesture towards the temple. Uh, uh, okay, um, well, did you want me to come with you? I could just get the croissant to go. Sure. Why not? Uh, okay, so I'm run over, throw some money at the croissant stall, grab the croissant, and come along with you. Okay, so we head over towards the temple, and the art is kind of out on display just out the front. I open the door of the temple and walk in and, like, gesture for you to follow. Okay. I'm imagining that there is a an area of the temple where just common folk can go in. So at this point, I'm like, okay, we're just going to pay our respects to the temple kind of thing. So I'm like, I'm like wondering why you're looking a bit sketchy. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe he's got issues of his own. So I just kind of like follow in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. And maybe there's a few people in there paying their respects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of going up to the sort of altar to join them, um, I keep walking around the side towards the door that leads into the um, like private areas of the temple. Yep, I'll say that the first thing I do is go up to the temple to show my respects because like as a as common folk walking into the temple, that's just something that you do. Like you don't go into the temple mm. for anything else. What is the temple what does this area of the like this atrium area look like? Um I think it's kind of like a big open round foyer type area um so there's just there's like some seats around the edge of the room but the main um area is just a big open space and then going further in to the temple there is an altar and there's kind of like there's some blue and purple flags hanging from the ceiling um there's a bowl of dust sitting on the altar mm. and there's um also you can kind of see just little bits like not too much just little bits of dust just sort of wisping around yeah so it's like i guess it's a, it's a closed off space you can't see out like the the proper like sacred temple where dreamers go and things that's that's like a different area of it yeah okay so yeah i go and i kneel in front of the the altar and just kind of like muse about why I'm not a good enough artist in this society. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess seeing you do that, I'll kind of go and pay my respects as well in like an obligatory way. Mm -hmm. And then I'm kind of like getting impatient. So I just like tap you on the shoulder and I'm like, (laughs) and at this stage, I'm like sobbing, (laughs) please, please just (laughs) help me. I just... I just need some purple or blue, please. And I'm like just completely oblivious to you tapping tapping me on the shoulder. Calic. Calic. Purple, Calic. purple, please. Oh. I mean, Calic, I'm going to leave you here fine. if you don't come now. You know, just I don't want my art to be green anymore. <sighs> Kellogg! Does Kellogg respond? No, he's just, yeah, he's completely broken down. Oh my god. Okay, I'm, I'm leaving Kellogg there and I'm going to venture off on my own. Um, so I will say I, I head over to the door that leads towards the, the rest of the temple, like towards the private quarters and stuff. And I'm like walking down um, a hallway. The pillar seems like he has like um bipolar or something. It's like starts off by saying maybe it isn't my heart. And then suddenly it is my heart. It's just the struggle of being an artist. That's right, that's right, that's right. The constant self-doubt. Society Imposter getting you down. Syndrome. I think the problem here is it's not only constant. got green. <laughs> anyway. Um 
yeah, so I'm going to say that I managed to get through um, some hallways. Obviously, I don't really know where I'm going, so I'm just kind of going around, peeking through any doors, um, especially ones that have been left open. And I do, I go into a room which appears to be the office of one of the dreamers um, or like the quarters of one of the dreamers. There's like a desk and clothes and papers spread all around. I kind of, I start looking over the papers and as I'm looking over the papers, I hear some footsteps coming down the hallway. These belong to the dreamer whose office it is and hearing hearing somebody come I just the words eternal dream catches my eye on one of the papers so I just snatch it up and put it in my pocket and at that moment the the dreamer walks into his office um excuse me what are you doing here ah uh, uh hello sir uh, I apologize I um I must have gotten lost um might you be able to point me towards the uh the uh, the main entrance, the exit. This is quite far off the beaten path. Yes, I uh, well, I was looking for the Sky Gallery. You see, a friend of mine is, is an artist, and he's in the altar right now, sobbing over his lack of purple and blue. And I I thought I might um, you know, give him some inspiration, but I I well, I haven't been in the temple all too much, uh, see, and I've just uh, gotten lost. I, I do apologize. The only way into this hallway through which you arrived at this room is through a door that says dreamers only. Ah, must have missed that one. Uh, it's, um, my daughter is a, uh, a dreamer's apprentice, actually. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, Ava, wonder if you know her. I do. Oh, yes. Oh, splendid, splendid. Uh, might she be around? No, she is attending to other duties at the moment of course of course yeah just um she would be able to vouch for me i'm sure uh i I am sorry but i I would love to just leave your private quarters now very well please follow me thank you and the dreamer shows you out Mm -hmm. cool so i'm gonna say i i get out into like the main altar area um, is Kellick still sobbing? Yeah, I have. I have something that I want to add. Like, I guess because there is oh yeah dust in the temple, those who stay there for long enough mm. eventually just fall asleep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm yeah. gonna say, um, Kellick is just like passed out at the moment, flat on his back, and he's muttering the words, blue and yellow makes green (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so good okay i'm just gonna roll my eyes at that and i'm gonna make sure look around and make sure the dreamer who showed me out has gone and i'm gonna take a quick peek at the piece of paper and the piece of paper is basically like some scribbled musings it seems from the dreamer about the nature of the eternal dream there's sort of um, questions of um, does dust continue to affect the body once the biological processes have stopped? Could it be the eternal dream is no dream at all? And I'm like, what? This, like, this is this is pretty huge. This is some. It's it's not evidence that they're hiding anything because this is sort of like philosophical musings, but it is some kind of information that you know nobody else knows nobody else even knows enough about the eternal dream to even wonder about this kind of stuff so it is proof that there's like something else going on that there's something that we don't understand Hmm. and I'll go over to Kellick and try to rouse him Blue and yellow make green wake up Blue and yellow Green Green Kellick What? You fell asleep at the altar. Oh, oh well, that's nothing out of the ordinary. Um, <clears throat> yes, well, have you paid your dues? Y- yes, I have. Uh, let- let's go, shall we? Back to the festival. Okay, yes. Um, and I'm just kind of making sure that my, my face, I don't have any, like, tears left on my face. 
and maybe, yeah, just pat down my suit and <laughs> straighten my tie and like, okay, let's go. Okay. Um, listen, Kellick, I, um, I found something and I show him the, the paper. Wait, where did you get this? I, I just saw it on the floor. Uh, so just, just in the corner. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the eternal dream is sacred. Why would anyone question it? Exactly. That's the question, right? What do the dreamers know that we don't? Listen, I've been working as an Awakened for 25-odd years now. And every time we deal with a uh, incident, it just feels like there's something that we're missing. Like there's something more that we don't know. What happens to people when they leave the city? It could be anything. Well, I guess we won't know until it's our time to go. Right. Of course. No. Yeah. But there is a consequence to you revealing this bit of information mm-hmm. to Kalik. Mm. The this particular area of the temple, this atrium, this altar, is quite crowded. And you are overheard by other individuals. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Did you have a good dream, at least? Oh, yeah, it was great. So much purple. I was just swimming in it. Of course. Well, let's hope the dust blesses you with some purple paint. Very soon. Yep. I've got my hopes up this time. It's all going to work out. I'll pat Kellogg on the back and I'm going to say that is scene. A day or two later, you are both summoned by the dreamers to the temple for... an accusation, shall we say. You were seen um, in one of the head dreamer's visions. (gasps) Once you get there, um, you are, once you get to the atrium that you were in, you are um, beckoned to a more private room. You're both beckoned to sit down beside each other Mm -hmm. in front of a table. Wooden, I should say. It's quite a small room, a grey room. Spartan in build and aesthetic. A dreamer enters the room, the same dreamer that you saw earlier, or you had your tete-a-tete with earlier. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Thank you, sir. I don't think you've formally introduced yourselves to me. Um, please go on. <clears throat> uh, yes, hello. My name is Cyrus. I am uh, a member of The Awakened as you may know. <clears throat> and uh, you? Uh, uh, well, my name is Kalak. Um, I am an artiste. Perhaps you've heard of me? Kalak with a C? Ring any bells? It does not ring any bells. Well, I must say I'm not sure why I am here. And this room is very devoid of inspiration. The dreamer looks behind, so uh, behind him, uh, i.e. in front of you, towards the wall, and kind of gives it a nod, and then looks back at you and says, You have both been brought here due to your possible involvement in an incident that the head dreamer was shown in his visions. Oh, I see. Well, what, what can we do for the temple? Oh, it is not so much what you can do for the temple, but it is more what you can tell us about the day that you were here last. See, the charges brought against you are quite lengthy. Uh, I'm sorry, charges? I didn't didn't know there were charges being laid. As with all the head dreamer's visions, there are charges that come with it. Of course. In this case, theft, blasphemy, insurrection, and so forth. That's a long list of charges for people that were just paying their respects at the temple. Can you vouch for your companion, artist? My companion? Um, I look at Kalik, like... Well, well, 
You see, Cyrus was by my side when we were paying respects at the temple. And I must admit, I think there was maybe 50 minutes where I just, I guess, fell asleep, I suppose. That is a very convenient alibi. But when I woke up, Cyrus was right there. Well, I, I do admit, I, I did uh, go for a little wander in the temple corridors. You, you see, uh, Kalik, having fallen asleep, was, was taking a very long time to, uh, to, to pay his respects. Uh, so I, I just, um, just wanted to admire more of the temple's architecture. And uh, seems I went through a door that I, I shouldn't have, silly me. And uh, ended up in in uh, in your office, as as you know. Uh, so, uh, but but I couldn't have have left Kellick's side for more than ten minutes. Understood. Well, you know the importance of of dreams, of course, in this city. And while I cannot vouch for Cyrus being there physically, I can say that he was in my dreams. You see, we were sharing. A bath of purple liquid together. It was quite beautiful. Oh, wow. That is lovely, Kellick. How holy to be bathing in purple. For your benefit, I am going to scratch that from the record. Oh, okay. Purple is a holy color. You do not bathe in purple. Of course, of course, of course. I am. I. I apologize. That was blasphemous of me to to to, to say. The head dreamer's vision spoke of a few individuals who acted upon delusions brought upon by some blasphemous ideas. Delusions. Delusions of grandeur and some insurrectionist thoughts. I see. We have to, because of that, check with everybody in the vicinity at the time. Of course. Did you hear or see anything suspicious? Uh, nope, nope. I can't, can't recall anything. Nothing spoken, perhaps, that caught your ear as an awakened? Uh, At this stage, I kind of, like, whisper to Cyrus, like, what about that piece of paper you found? Sorry, what was that? Uh, my, uh, my good friend, Kalik, just reminded me that I did hear somebody uh, mention the eternal dream uh, as we were leaving the altar. Um, but uh, since it was a holy space, I didn't think too much of it, and I, I didn't see who it was. I see. And was this person perhaps holding a binder or some paper? Uh, like I said, I didn't see, so, so it's possible they could have been. Awakened, I suggest you... Check your memories. Check my memories? I, yes. Um, forgive me, Dreamer, what, what memories are these? It is imperative that you speak the truth. Remember what the person looked like. Uh, of course. Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, Kellick, uh, well, help me out here. What, what did they look like? Uh, I, yes. I seem to recall uh, a tall, tall individual. Ponytail, uh, yes, dark hair, quite long, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. long ponytail, yeah, yeah, yeah. glasses. Mm, mm. That's right. Yes. Forgive me, artist, but I cannot take your word for it at this point in time, given that you were dreaming, and within the temple grounds, no less. And your ability to remember would be called into question due to bathing in colors, as you so gracefully put it. Yes, quite wonderful. Quite wonderful. The Awakened, on the other hand, is in a position of more authority. Oh, well, um, I, I do believe my friend Kellogg's memory was was just there. Uh, yes, it was a, a tall individual with a dark, dark-haired ponytail, uh, wearing glasses. As I say, I, uh, I think they did have something in their hand, so they could have been holding a binder or a piece of paper. And you're sure about this? As sure as I can be from a fleeting glance. Is that a yes, Awakened? Or is it a no? It, uh... That's a yes, I'm sure. Very well. Thank you for your help, both of you. I hope to not see you again. For your benefit. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Thank you, 
Dreamer. The information you have provided us will help us apprehend the culprit. Yes. Indeed. Hmm. Excellent. Well, yes. Okay. Um, well, let's go, Cirrus. Yes. Uh, may we leave? Of course. Thank you. Happy to assist in the Dust's noble work. Let me lead you out. Thank you. Before he leaves the room, he kind of nods at the wall again behind him, and then he takes you both outside. As you're heading out, you see three individuals who are being held by dreamers. They kind of, they look confused and um, they're not really aware of, they look like they're not really aware of what's going on. And you both recognize them to be the people who uh, overheard um, your conversation the day before. And they are led towards a door that you know leads to the eternal door, was it? Or? Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, I'm just, I'm feeling really guilty and conflicted at this point. Like, I, I did have an inkling that this might be coming, uh, but this also kind of deepens my suspicions of the temple because the fact that they're just leading them straight to the door, they're not even, like, hearing them speak, potentially. But yeah, I'm feeling really bad right now and, like, but also, like, I've just narrowly escaped something. So, the next step is a reflection. Hero reflects on the current state of the Haven. So, yeah, pretty much like I said before, um, my, my suspicions about the temple have, have deepened. Seems like there's something... Like, whatever it was, these musings that I discovered, it seems like the temple are going to great lengths to cover it up. And obviously I know that, like, stealing from the, the temple is a pretty grievous crime, but still it just seems like a bit of a severe punishment. But overall, obviously, I do think the haven is pretty stable right now. So now we give the character sheets to the player to our right, and then we do it all over again. So I'm going to be playing the pillar, I believe. You're going to be playing the hero. Uh, I'm the fallen. Yep. And, and then I the, hero the hero is Michaela. As the pillar, I then decide on the corruption. So I'm thinking, this is kind of touched on the previous scene as well. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm kind of leading into this. I think that the head dreamer and the other dreamers have begun to request that the eternal doorway be used for other reasons as well. So originally it was only for the sick and the dying, but now we're having situations where people just disappear and the dreamers just say, oh, they were chosen by the dust. Um, uh, to, to be one with the dust and things like that. Okay. Or they are in their eternal dream or things like that. And no one questions it, but it's a bit odd. And it's been happening a few times. And I think they just, you know, no one knows why or for what reasons. Kind of heralds back to the previous scene when... Uh, the, yeah, we just saw that happen. Yeah, mm. we just saw that happen, yeah. <laughs> Essentially what's happening is that the head dreamer and his cohort are basically sending anyone who does not fit into their strict definition of perfect to the outside. So that's the corruption. Mm. Yeah, cool. I like it. So it's a corruption of religion? Yes. Wait, I think Slash we... Slash death? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think it's a corruption of religion. I think it's a corruption of death. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it relates to the eternal door. Okay, cool. So the hero, as part of his work, has been tasked with taking someone through the eternal door. And it's pretty routine. So he has his colleague, which will be Aaron. Um, his colleague's name is Ivy with two eyes. <laughs> so Cirrus and Ivy are just going about their work. They were given an address for this person's house and they just kind of barge in because, you know, usually they're met with an unconscious person. 
But instead, they see a man standing quite shocked, and that person will be you, Azul. Uh-huh. And his name is Tivit. Tivit. With two eyes. Yep. Yep. There's a pattern here. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, is that T-I-V-I-T? Yep. So we're met with a shocked person, clearly not unconscious. And the, yeah. first, the first thing that I do is close the door. <laughs> well, um, Sirius, what are, you, what are you doing? Is this not the place? I mean, is it the place? He's like standing up. It's not just like asleep or anything. Hmm. We haven't really had to deal with that before. I admit that is unusual. Do you think we should maybe go back to our manager and ask them about it? Uh, well, hold on. Let's let's just check, shall we? Is this the right address? Uh, and as you're looking up the like the address, the door slowly creaks open, and Tivit's face kind of pokes out. Uh, and I say, um, "Excuse me, Awakened. Uh, um, um, can, can I help you with something?" Yes. Uh, are you Tivit? That is I. Yes, by birth. Oh, see, we do have the right place. Yes, but. Um, congratulations, Tibbet. It's your lucky day. You have been chosen by the dust. No. Yes. But but that's amazing. I know. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to say. I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm a bit speechless. Of course. Uh, yep. Many are. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't think you got to, you know, um... You, I thought I had to be super old or, or you know, just, I don't know. This is amazing. Um, what did I do? I, uh, well, yes, uh, tell us, please. What did you do? What do you mean? I mean, have you done anything um, unusual lately? Anything outside of your usual routine? Serious? I mean... Uh, well, I did. I did approach the temple with a new idea for um, some of our buildings. You see, they're not build as well as they could or or so me and a friend of mine uh i'm a carpenter by the way um uh. and we just found out that there is a bit a slightly more efficient way of doing so um and the temple seemed well i mean i'm supposed to meet them tomorrow actually perhaps c- could this could this wait until tomorrow i do have to say goodbye to my family and i'm children sure that and... your grand idea has pleased the dust and the dust wishes for you to be on the other side oh um I mean, <laughs> of course. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I just didn't think. I, I'm just really happy. Um, of course. Uh, well, uh, please c- come with us. We will take you to the eternal door. Oh, uh, r- right now? Uh, yes. I I just thought I'd get some time to say goodbye to um, my wife and my kids and friends. Wait, you have a wife? Right. For uh, Yes, why... Uh, is that surprising? Well, no. Uh, never mind. Yes. Sirius, are you okay? At this stage, I, I take a swig of whiskey from my um, flask that I have <laughs> tucked in my blazer. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say this is like a bit unusual. Ivy's like what's going on? But at the same time, like he is known to like his drink. So I'm just going to kind of breeze over that one um i do apologize but the dust waits for no man as i'm sure you know um you could leave your family a note perhaps right of course no i wasn't implying that the dust would um, wait for me uh, of course of course uh no that's fine I'm, I'm sure they'll be informed by um uh, you know you and the temple right of course brilliant uh Actually, maybe I should leave. No, I think it'll be fine. Yes. Uh, but it, yes, we, we will let them know, and I'm sure they will be overjoyed. They will course. completely understand why you didn't say your farewells. Well, when you put it that way, I feel as though I should be saying farewell. Uh, well, leave a note then. Okay. Okay, yep. And he scurries back uh, to his room and starts writing something on, a, on on his desk that's dimly lit by mm-hmm. a small lantern. 
um, I, I kind of take... I'm going to go inside yeah. and I'm... Go inside and I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what he's writing as well, if I can. Yeah, I guess I can describe the room as well. So it's a, it's a small room uh, that leads with, with one door that leads to the rest of the house. Um, the door, which is kind of odd because usually, you know, the entrance of the house would lead to like a like a veranda or like a like a living room or so some sort of thing. But in this case, it leads directly to his bedroom. <laughs> um, probably got a small house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just a small bed. It's, it's essentially Spartan. A bed, a desk, some piece of paper, like uh, bits and pieces of wood on the, in the corner with a toolbox. Uh, you know, the usual carpenter things, I say, having never seen a carpenter's room. <laughs> um, and he's just writing a note saying, uh, what you essentially see is, um, I've been chosen by the dust, heading to the eternal doorway. Best of wishes. Love you all. And then he finishes the note. Beautiful. Okay. Out of the corner of my eye, I spot a rocking horse that hasn't been completed yet. A wooden rocking horse. And I kind of like think back to the days when my daughter had a rocking horse of her own. I just kind of gulp and feel a bit even more hesitant about this situation. Oh, well, Awakened, um, shall we be going? Excellent. We shall. Come this way, please. Of course. I'll lead um, you back out of the house and then make to lead you down the streets towards the eternal door, which is near the temple, I believe. Yeah. I'm going to grab the note, stuff it in my pocket. <gasps> but there is a consequence. And the consequence is that Ivy sees you take the note. I look behind me and wait for Cirrus to catch up with us. Yeah. So I kind of like shuffle out close the door behind me and I'm like right well let's go I guess we won't be needing this uh, stretcher and I just kind of like push it aside right <laughs> just casually <laughs> kick it to the edge yeah <laughs> um, well yeah we can pick it up on our way back right Ivy uh, Tivit let's begin our journey to the eternal door So now, Fallen, it's your turn to... To frame the scene? Yeah. Okay, so maybe, um, like, part of the point of having the Awakened go in pairs is so that they can kind of report on each other and they have to fill out reports at the end of the day of how each of their cases went and stuff like that. And Ivy notes on the report that Cirrus took the note that Tivit wrote. And the next day... When Cyrus comes into work, he is called into the boss's office. Yeah, so so Cyrus has just been told that the boss wants to see him in his office. And the scene begins when Cyrus uh, knocks on the door. You asked to see me, sir? Yes, Cyrus, uh, do come in. Uh, close the door behind you, won't you? All right. Take a seat. Yes, yes, thank you, sir. <clears throat> so... I uh, understand from your report that everything went well yesterday. Yep. Smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. No hiccups at all? Well, well, there was one problem. One rather big problem, I'd say. You see... Oh, yes. The subject was not sleeping. He was quite lively, one would say. He was, you know, standing up, quite capable of moving in by himself. Usually ah, we only yes. deal with those who are sleeping. Yes, you're referring to Tivit, I believe, the fellow who was chosen by the dust. Yes, well, I, you can see my confusion, though, because that's usually not part of our role. Of course, yes. Well, uh, as you know, the Awakened's role is to be a bridge between our world and the world of the dust. It is not for us to question the dreamers, and indeed the dust itself, for whom it chooses and when. So this was an order from the dreamers then? Well, yes, as per usual. Where else do you think the orders come from? Uh. But anyhow, uh, it is not for us to question the interpreters of the dust. I do believe that we may be seeing 
more of these uh, standing souls, as we may call them. For the dreamers have told me the dust is in an active state. Our generation has been blessed indeed. That's one way of putting it. <clears throat> and what do you mean by that? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Do we get extra training or something for dealing with these standing souls, as you say? Do you believe you require extra training? Well, I just feel like, you know, we're not used to answering questions for our targets. I see. And uh, would this be why you took the farewell note from Mr. Tibbet? Well, in some way, yes. Um, in another way, I did want to talk to the family myself and hand them the note so that they weren't completely taken by surprise. But it also felt job, strange awakened. to... No, please, do go on. I felt it quite strange that he had to say farewell. Makes me think if everyone else should have that opportunity as well. Why don't we wait until they wake up and then take them? Ah, you mean the sleepers. Right. Yes. Well, as I'm sure you know, in those cases, these fellows have been chosen because they have gone into sleep. It is um, almost a sign that the dust is ready to receive you. But of course, this is not the only way that the dust may indicate its wishes. You do trust the dreamers, don't you? They are the interpreters of the dust. Interpreters? Well, sure, I trust, I trust them. Good. Now hand over the note, please. Oh, I don't have it on me. That was yesterday. I see. Then you shall return home at once and fetch it. All right, then. Good. That is an important document that was intended for the family, and it is not your job to speak to them. I shall see to it myself that they receive it. As you wish, sir. Thank you. Now, don't let me catch you taking sleepers, whether they be standing or not. Don't let me catch you taking sleepers things again. You certainly won't catch me doing so again. Good. Well, if that's all... Yes. Please go and uh, fetch the note. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Ooh. So now, do tell Cyrus, what are you feeling? Tell us about your thoughts. Well, after the first scene, like when Cyrus took the note, he just didn't want Tivit's wife and kids to be faced with you know, a farewell note and an absent father, an absent husband. So he was going to, like, visit the family afterwards and just kind of explain to them. But he would kind of be like they were chosen by the dust and things just so that they're a bit more comfortable about the whole situation. And he just keeps thinking about the rocking horse that was incomplete and... Yeah, you know, there's a son or a daughter like eagerly waiting for that to be finished. So he just feels this sense of heaviness about that. And he kind of thinks about his own daughter and like how sweet she was as a little girl. Yeah, so he just kind of like doesn't want to bring any pain to this family. And I'd say he's also curious about the plans that um, the carpenter designed. And he's kind of like thinking, you know, should I kind of try and dig a bit deeper into this, kind of find out what the plans were and if the dreamers are actually going to go ahead with this, you know, despite the fact that the creator of it has gone to the dust. And then, yeah, when he was called, he just had so many questions, but he couldn't ask his boss, like, everything. So he was kind of, he was quite surprised that his boss revealed that the dreamers kind of sent these orders. So that's a new piece of information to him. And it kind of makes him doubt the dreamers even more. Like he's already doubted the head dreamer for a lot of things. But now he has even more reason to be suspicious of them. So yeah, and he just like feels a bit uncomfy after that last situation. And he was kind of thinking like, can you maybe fake a note and still give the original to the family or something like that? Yeah. 
So I believe now Michaela's the... No, wait, Erin, you're the pillar. Yes. I'm the pillow. Azul's the hero. I'm the fallen. the fallen. Yay for hero. It is me, the hero. So now I choose a tradition to be corrupted. Correct. And that should relate to the floor. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm going to choose food. And I'm going to say, um, so we have the set meal times in Salis, 9am, 2pm and 7pm. And uh, I'm going to say that they've become extra strict around the meal times. So even if you're like a few seconds late, or like 30 seconds late, you can't get in to the, the hall to eat your meal. So there's like people going hungry and stuff because they can't get into the hall. Can people make their own meals? Or do like they just not have kitchens in their homes? Yeah, maybe they don't have kitchens in their homes. Um, and if if people are like caught eating outside the meal times, then they might be punished in some way. <laughs> they don't have kitchens. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I imagine that's like the whole thing about the meal times is that there's some kind of communal place where everybody goes. Yeah. Yeah. Eat, I mean, to eat meals together. Uh, because it's supposed to be this like perfect thing of they're all eating at this precise time and everybody eats at this time and everybody eats at, you know, perfectly spaced meals during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just really cracking down on that because they want everybody to be as perfect as possible. And, you know, if, if people are not 100% perfect, like they're not immediately on time, then they're kind of punished by not being allowed in or having their food taken away from them or something like that. Mm-hmm. Would, you say, would you say alcohol is an exception? Ooh. Do they have to drink at like 9am, 2pm, 7pm? Or can they drink outside of that? It's liquid, right? So it's not like you're going to... Yeah, Unless I that's the corruption and now they're like saying the times that you drink also need to be like specific oh yeah that's a good idea okay yeah so maybe um, part of the new rules in addition to like you have to be perfectly on time for meals is the times that you can drink i'm gonna say you can drink water at any time that'd be extra cruel (laughs) (laughs) For, for now for now you can drink water anytime but any liquid other than water you have to drink at the regular meal times okay and alcohol in particular, you can only drink at the nightly mealtime. So mm. once a day. Yeah. Basically, they're just trying to make everything as perfect as possible by really getting strict on the eating and drinking times. Yeah, okay. So so I think the scene is that I arrive at the communal food space. The hero, I mean, Cyrus, arrives late. Like a minute late, barely, like barely 30 seconds late, we're thinking. And I had agreed to meet with Kallik, uh to just discuss his life and, you know, because we're friends and that sort of thing. And he's already in, but I am not. And I think at some point, perhaps the Fallen can show an appearance as well, <gasps> because everybody would be here. Yeah. Actually, maybe the Dreamers and the Head Dreamer are somewhere else, but everybody else? Or do you think the dreamers are not I was dreamer? thinking if you want it to be everyone, they could just be at like a special table. Okay, yeah, I think everyone then, yeah. There's going to be somebody who is guarding or like just not letting anyone in. And actually, no, let's backtrack. Maybe the person who's guarding it is the fallen. Really? Because maybe like uh, the apprentices uh, yeah. have to do like, you know, odd yeah, jobs. Yeah, so, so today maybe the apprentice that has been chosen to do this is Ava. Mm. Mm, yeah, nice. Okay. Is this the same day? No, we'll say it's like like maybe a month or so later. Okay. Like a couple of weeks at least. Yeah, so there's been a bit of time. He's had time to stew on this. And Which meal time is it? Uh, it's lunchtime. So I believe that was um, 2, 2 p.m. So it's lunchtime, 2 p.m. Uh, so I approach the doors. I think it's like glass so everybody inside can see you outside. Mm. It's kind of like the shame of, you know, coming late. Um, And I approach the doors and try to open them, but they're locked. 
So I knock on the door. So I'm just seeing you on the other side of the glass. Yes, I believe both Kallak and uh, Ava would have seen. Okay, so as Kallak, I'm actually waiting by the doors for you. Because it's only like a minute after time, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm seeing my dad there and I'm just like, oh, of course he is late again. I unlock the door, go outside and kind of like just close the door behind me so that people don't hear what's going on. I'm like going to get up and go towards the door and then it shuts in my face. <laughs> uh, Ava, long time. Well, well, well. <laughs> okay. Um. Hello, father. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Oh my god, Dad! You know the rules. You're like a whole minute late. Yeah, just one minute. Yeah, and the dreamers change the rules so that if you're not inside within the minute, you can't come in. Okay, listen, I, I know that you're like an apprentice and that's great and everything. I'm, I'm happy for you, but you have to admit this is kind of a bit ludicrous, right? I'm literally just a minute late. I, I was just, I just came from dealing with the sleeper. Ah, yes, of course. All your excuses. It's always work, 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 isn't it? I mean, if you were around more, maybe it wouldn't be all work, work, work. I was around? Excuse me. Where were you when mom and I were going through a tough time, huh? You were working. Okay, that's that's beside the point. Let's not talk about your mother, okay? That's in the past, regardless. Fine. So you're going to let me in? Well, I'm sorry, but you can't come in. Are you serious? Yep, I don't make the rules. I've only recently become an apprentice. I'm not going to risk that. Yeah, but it, like... People are barely eating yet. I mean, Kallak's literally there, standing over there. Yeah, at this point, Kallak's going to knock on the door and give a little wave. I don't care about your friend, Dad. Kallak, could you just... Can you open the door? Uh, Kallak looks between you and Ava like, what what do I do here? Um, Don't bring Kallak into this, Dad. You're late. I'm not late. I'm just a minute aside and if you can't see that then you know it doesn't matter i'm just gonna go in so Kallak, just just open the door i'll, I'll open it properly just unlock it please no come on Kallak. no you can't do this okay you know what i'm just gonna leave you outside i'm gonna go get my food so just kind of like go inside lock the door behind me and walk away oh, well, wait wait ava uh What's the deal here? Why, why can't you dare come in? You know the rules, Kellogg. I don't make them. I'm just yeah. enforcing them. At this point, I'm like banging on the doors, making like a lot of commotion as well. Oh my I'm like God. shouting, Kellogg, let just literally unlock the door. You don't have to do anything. I'll come in. Oh my God, you're so embarrassing. I, I, I gesture to you like, just wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, look, uh, I, I know the rules. I, I, know, I know you're just doing your job here, but... Uh, come on, since when have we been so strict? I mean, everybody's got to eat. Since yesterday. That's when the rules come into place. Oh. Oh, I see. Um, well, uh, well, why? I don't know. I, I guess the dreamers just want us to be more punctual. And seems like everyone's managing fine. Except him. Kalak. Right. Uh, maybe I could just take some food out to him. You know, we can eat out there. It's no, it's no big deal. Right. No, you can't. It's against the rules. Uh, right, right, of course, of course. Um, uh, it's just, um, I feel like he's going to be mad at me if I don't let him in, you know? And Kallak, you've already broken the rules. Look behind you. And I point behind where everybody has started to eat. Oh, no. Oh, does, does this mean I'm late? Uh, but I'm inside the hall, so that, that counts, right? I'm still on time. Well, just leave him and come and eat. Um, but... Uh, come on, Ava. If you don't come now, you'll have to join him outside. Kallak, just don't listen to her. She, she can't do anything, okay? Just let me in and everything will be fine. Um... I, I mean, this is not a big deal, 
Right, Ava? Is, of course it is a big deal. At this point, I like, because Cirrus was causing a commotion, I imagine like some of the other apprentices have kind of started gathering around. So I'm kind of like building mm-hmm. up a little squad <laughs> to defend to defend myself. Uh, Dreamers, please, it's just a... You're going to have to make a decision very soon. <laughs> <laughs> really doesn't want to make a decision. Uh, Dreamers, Please, he's just a, an old man like myself got caught up in, in a bit of work. He's doing the dust's work. He's an awakened. They're not dreamers, Kalak. They're just apprentices. Ignore them and let me in. But I'm afraid we can't let you do that. So now at this stage, like, the apprentices are closing in on Kalak. Oh, um, oh, guys, c- come on, just have, have a little little compassion. Oh, my um, gosh. Um, okay, Kalak's going to dart over back to the door and um, and look at the apprentices and say listen, now, now don't freak out I'm just, uh, I'm going to unlock the door, but, but I don't want you to freak out and think that I'm trying to break the rules here, I, I'm just concerned for my friend, okay? Okay? Open the door, Calic. Uh How do the apprentices look? <laughs> They're just staring. <laughs> okay, I just I just, like, with my hands behind me, looking at the apprentices, I turn the lock of the door and it clicks. I uh, I immediately open it, grab Kalik by the scruff of his, like, uh, sleeve, and just walk towards the table, completely ignoring the apprentices. Ah! Oh, lawbreakers! Uh, 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 lawbreakers! Uh, what? No, 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 no! No, no, I, sp- I specifically you said be it's, here. I'm not breaking. You have to leave now. Lawbreakers! 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 <laughs> While this chanting is going, I think at one point the head dreamer just raises his hand up high, immediately quietening down the whole the whole room. Cyrus, what have you done? At this stage, like the squad of apprentices are just kind of like bowing their heads towards the head dreamer, seeing if he's going to say anything. He doesn't say anything. Does he do anything? So I think I sit down at one of the tables, like a relatively sparse table, and like kind of force Kalik to sit down as well, and I start eating. But there is a consequence. The head dreamer snaps his fingers, and in an instant, dreamers swarm the table that Kalik and Sarah sat down at, and they are removed from the hall. Kellex was going like, no, 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 but but I said I wasn't breaking the rules and they, and they didn't say anything and I, Cyrus, what if you, ah. I, so having been kind of forced out by the dreamers who I do not say anything to, however, once we have been escorted out, I turn around, look at the table of the dreamers who I imagine now, like, you know, everything's kind of, like, after after we've been put out, I think the the hall, the dining hall kind of, it calms down. And then as everybody's eating, I turn to the table with the dreamers, the very, like, lengthy table with all the dreamers and the head dreamer. And I take out my flask of alcohol and take a big swing of it. It is 2.20 in the afternoon. I'm just staring wide-eyed at Cirrus. What will become of Cyrus for his actions? And how will Celis continue to crumble in the final episode of Downfall? Next time on Don't Forget Your Towel. Hello everyone, welcome to the accent. No, I mean the outro. I do not know why I am speaking like this, but I am going to stop now because I am embarrassed. Nothing really much to say here except that we all love you. Give yourselves the pat on the back for doing what you've done today and take a swig of whiskey, like Cirrus, or a calm moment with hot chocolate and books. Actually, that sounds pretty good. I think I know what I'll be planning on doing today. 
Anyways, if you like what you hear, please connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at dfyt underscore podcast, on Facebook at Don't Forget Your Tower Podcast, and through email at dfytpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a few dollars to spare and you've been liking what you hear, please consider donating to us on Patreon. But if you don't have a few dollars to spare, that's all good too. Just keep listening and like and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Every single rating goes a long way to helping us increase our reach and to share the RPG love. Till next time, keep your towels at the ready. <laughs>